Hi, we are Fusion Church located in Fishkill, New York. Welcome to our podcast. We are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope. Enjoy. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. I want you guys to know, for every single one of you, that God sees you, that you are known by God, and He cares for you. I think we always need that encouragement, right? Because sometimes we feel like, do I really matter? Does God see me? And I'm here to tell you today that He does. So my name is Jo Marie, and I am blessed to give you um, the Mother's Day message this year. So I want to start off with asking you guys a question. If someone were to ask you, do you want to be blessed by God, what would you say? Probably most of you, the majority of you will say, yes, I want to be blessed by God. If I were to ask you, do you want to be used by God to be a blessing to this world, what would you say? Yes, I think the majority of people would also say yes because, you know, many people want to be blessed by God. We want to be used by him because we all have this desire deep within us to have meaning to our lives, to have purpose in our lives. And so um, we desire that, but sometimes we struggle with feeling significant, with constantly searching for value and purpose and fulfillment in our lives. And when we don't have that, it can really affect our mental health in a negative way. So we're constantly searching from the next thing to the next thing where we can feel fulfilled, where we can feel like our lives matter. But you see, the thing is, the only one or the only thing that can really um, fill that void in our heart, that can fill that void of uh, purpose and fulfillment in our lives, in our hearts, is actually just the one who created it. It's the creator who loves you, who formed you, who knew you while you were in your mother's womb. He's the only one that can um, meet that for us. But I have really good news for you. You want to hear the good news? The good news is that God has a plan and that he invites every single one of you to partake in that plan. But the invitation is there. But the question is, are you willing to accept it? There's so many people that reject the invitation from God to take part in his great plan for humanity, for the world. And too many of us are jammed up with our thoughts and our negative thinking that we forfeit that ability to be blessed by God, to be used by God, because we feel like we're not good enough. You know, it's easy to say, right? Like, oh yeah, God, you know, I want to follow you. Seems easy enough. But the application of it is not so easy, right? Today, I want to talk to you about how we can discover how to follow God despite the cost. Because it's not easy sometimes following God, you know? I don't think anybody really, like, tells you that, right? It's not easy to pray for our enemies. It's not easy to forgive others that hurt you that really don't deserve it. It's not easy. It's not easy to turn the other cheek when someone's trying to stab you in the back, right? It's not easy to take that step of faith when God calls you to do something because you don't have all the answers. It's not easy to love those who are hard to love. 
It's not easy, but you know what? I have good news for you again. I'm full of good news today. You don't have to do it in your own strength. A lot of times we give God all these excuses about why we can't follow him. You know, God, it's too hard, God. Like, you know, um, maybe next time. It's not, it's a bad time. So maybe you can come back again tomorrow (laughs) or next week. Or, God, you know, I don't have all the answers. Like, can you just give me, like, a step-by-step plan and then maybe I'll do it? Or, God, you know, that, you know, I don't have the right gifts for that. I'm not meant for that, God. So maybe you can ask somebody else and maybe... You can ask me this instead. We end up giving God conditions and how we can follow him. We're like, hey, God, okay, if you want me to follow you, um, I'll follow you if I can be like that person over there or if I can have the gifts of that person over there or maybe if you, you know, make me a little a little smarter, a little bit more charismatic. If you help me not be so much of an introvert, then I'll follow you, God. Hey, God, maybe if... It was a better time. It may be if I finish my education, then you can ask me. God, if, you know, if I have more money, maybe if I had more resources, then I would follow you. Maybe if I had more whatever it is, fill in the blank. You're full of if onlys. If only this, then I will follow God. But that's not what God's asking you to do. God is saying, will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you do what it is that I've asked you to do? And today, God is asking you to lay down your if-onlys and your excuses and lay it at the foot of the cross. You know what I think about sometimes for those of you that have little kids or remember when your kids were smaller and you asked them to do something, you're like, hey, you know, it's time to go to bed, guys. And they're like, they get in bed and they're like, oh, I need a drink of water. I need water. Okay, you get water. They go, you give them water, they go back to bed and they're like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, I I'm too cold, I need my special blanket. Like it was always one thing after another and you're just like, just go to bed, you know? Or when your kids are older, they're teenagers and you ask them to do chores, they're like, um, uh, I will, mom, I will. Like one of my kids, that's their favorite saying and it irks me uh, to, to, to no end when he's like, Oh, I sorry, sorry, Anthony. I just shouted you out. But when he's like, when he's like, I will, I will, and the and it never comes. You know what I mean? And you're constantly like reminding them. And I wonder if like that's how God feels with us, because we're constantly just giving him like, not now, God. I will do that, God. After I'm done with this part of my life, God. Once I meet this, um, this, uh, you know, era of my life, God. Then I'll follow you. But God is saying. Nothing is impossible with me. God is saying it's not too hard because you don't have to do it in your own strength. We get so jammed up in our own thoughts, in our overthinking. How many overthinkers are here? Overthinkers, control freaks, control freaks, anonymous. (laughs) There's... We, ha- we feel like we have to control everything so that we can feel secure. That's actually just a facade. Because honestly, we can't control anything. We can't even control how our hair is going to look. You know, the rain, the humidity, forget it. Just put it up in a ponytail. You know what I mean? We can't control anything. It's fake. Because the only one that can control things is the Lord. And he's calling you to do great things. You know, sometimes when we are asked to do things, it's kind of like, what am I going to lose? Like, what's, what's it going to cost me, God? Like, people are going to think bad about me. They might, they might 
think I'm weird for doing these things. They might, you know, be like, why, why are you giving that up just to follow God? You're crazy. Like, we give up all these, we, we, we give God all these conditions because we feel like, God, what am I, I'm losing so much if I follow you, God. I'm giving up my comfort to follow you, God. I'm giving up finances to follow you, God. Like, I can have this, like, great, you know, great career, and, and that's fine. It's good if that's what's God, where God's calling you. But if you're holding on to career and to money and to, and, and to um, your status because you don't want to lose that, then you're going to miss out on the blessing. So perhaps instead of focusing on what we could lose in following God, perhaps we need to fix our perspective and say, what blessing is going to come from following God? What is the blessing that's going to come on the other side of obedience? We need to fix our perspective. Too much, we're like, I don't want to be controlled. I want to do my own thing. That's not how I want to serve you, God. I want to serve in this capacity, but God's calling you in a certain capacity. But you're like, no, not that one, God, this one. And God is saying to you, maybe, that's not my will, that's your will. And I'm asking you to do my will. Because the Bible says that our thoughts are not his thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. And for us to think that our thoughts and our ways are better than God, then is, our, is he God in your life? If we can actually contain God and who he is, is he really God to you? If you can contain God, you can't. He's the, the almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And for us to say, we know better than you, it's like our, it's like our little kids saying, I know better than you, mom and dad. Let me do this because I know. And you're like, I know that I've been there, done that. You don't know. You know? And it's natural, though. It's natural for us to uh, self-protect. It's natural for us to be safe and not want to cause any harm. You want to minimize risk, right? It's a natural thing because we want to be able to control it. It's easy for us with our, with our eyes, with our own senses, with our eyes to see the natural, to hear the natural, to touch what the natural, what we can see, what we can feel, that's easy for us to, to navigate. But it, it takes no faith to actually do that. And the Lord is telling you to live by faith and not by sight. So this is the definition of faith according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That we believe that everything that God says in his word is going to come to pass. Even though we can't see it, even though sometimes we can't understand it, we believe that it's going to come to pass. That's the assurance of things hoped for. So what we use our senses to touch the natural things, faith is our sense, sort of, to see the spiritual realm to see things um, that are unseen. We need that faith that we're going to cling to, that we're going to trust in, that we're going to rely on the Lord for things. And one of the greatest hindrances of faith, 
is wanting to know all the details. God, I need the whole picture before I move. And by that time, it's going to pass and you're going to miss it. We try to make things work that make sense to us. But God is telling you today, I got something better for you. So how can we follow God despite the cost? How can we develop an eternal mindset and not a worldly one? Let's look at a story right now of a woman in the Old Testament who had to make the decision to either step out in faith or retreat back to her comfort zone. And what was the cost for her? We're going to talk about Queen Esther today. So we're going to pick up um, uh, the book of Esther, chapter 4. But I wanted to give you a quick summary. There's so much good stuff in that book of Esther. So if you, if you, ever, if you get a chance, maybe in the next few days, next few weeks, just read it. It's got so much meat in it. There's so much, too much for me just to talk about in a short message today on Sunday. But it's really good, like study, um, uh, a really good study. So Esther is a Jewish woman who is growing up in Persia. At this time, uh, she was uh, living in exile in Persia. And at this time, some of the Jews actually made their way back to Jerusalem to worship. But there were a few pockets of Jews left in Persia, specifically in Susa, which is the capital city that she was living in. And she was actually an orphan. And she was raised by her, her cousin Mordecai. And one day, the king got fed up with his queen, the king of Persia, King Xerxes, he got fed up with his queen and he wanted a new one. So he, he cast like this like fancy beauty pageant that lasted for months. And Esther was one of those women. And long story short, she finds favor with him. And he puts the crown on her head. Out of hundreds and thousands of women, she was chosen to be queen. But her cousin Mordecai said, keep your Jewish heritage a secret for now for your own safety. So she did what her cousin asked. So, the, so she's now queen. Now the king had a second-hand man named Haman. And Haman was an Agagite who his descendants were known to be enemies of the Jews. So because he was second-hand man, he thought he was the man. And he was telling everybody in the kingdom, bow down before me, bow down before me. And Mordecai, Esther's cousin who raised her, knew that he was an Agagite, and he refused to bow down to any man because he would only bow down to the Lord. And for him to be asked to bow down to Haman, who was an enemy of the Jew, he refused, and Haman was furious. So somehow he convinced the king that it wasn't just good enough to get rid of Mordecai. Because he's a Jew, I want to get rid of all Jews. So that's what he did. He convinced the king to set up a decree to kill the Jews in Persia. And Mordecai was really um, greatly troubled. So we're going to pick up at Esther 4, verse 8. Mordecai and all the Jews were mourning hearing of this. He sent word to Queen Esther to urge her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. But Esther was greatly troubled when she heard this. She responded back to him, saying... All of the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, to be that he be put to death. 
So if you approach the king without him inviting you to approach him, you are, you are going to die. You are going to die. Um, the only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So you see, you know, her relationship, king and queen, it's not like how we see marriages like today where you could just go up to your husband like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Hey, I have an emergency. She couldn't do that. And it's been 30 days since he called for her. So she's like, I have no chance right now to go, you know, fight for our people because I'm going to die. And then this is what he says to her. Mordecai is like, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And this is a key verse here. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. She ha he had to call her out on it. He had to be like, Esther, wake up. You want to be, be obedient? You want to try and be comfortable and just and save your life and be safe? You're not safe. God's going God's to use somebody else or find another way to save the Jews. And you're going to lose your blessing. He had to call her out on it. And so she heard that. And so this was her response. She says, go. Gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace. She must have been freaking out right then, right? Like, oh, this is it. Either I'm going to die, uh, but God give me favor. So she's sitting there in the, in the hall, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. And so she was able to plead her case with the king. And she told him, I am a Jew and my people are in danger. They're in danger of annihilation. We need to do something about this decree. So the king, he punished Haman. And long story short, the Jews were saved because of her bravery. There's so many things that we can unpack from this story, but for the purposes of time, we're just going to focus on two. The first thing that we can learn from this story is that there is mission in your position. There is mission in your position. You are purposed in your position, but here's the second part of it. There is mission in your position, but your position before God is essential for the success of the mission. Can't do it alone. So, see, God is the one who positions you. You really think it was a coincidence that out of millions of women, this little Jewish girl was the one that the king selects? 
and that she was the one in that specific time in history where the Jews were at risk for annihilation, that there was a Jewish queen on the throne that had access to the king. Do you really think that was a coincidence? Was there, you know, there's another part of the story where the king has, like, he couldn't sleep and he, like, was reading back through um, his journal and he realizes that at one point, Mordecai had saved his life, so he'd already had like some compassion to Mordecai and the Jews because at one point he saved his life. That's, that's not a coincidence. So God is the one who positions you. God is the one who gives purpose to your position. Because he placed you there, he has a purpose for you there. And that's what happened with Queen Esther. But before you can do anything and before she could do anything, she had to position herself in a, in a state of humility before God. She was like thinking about the cost. She was like, I'm, I could die. But instead of retreating back, she said, no, I'm going to go and I'm going to fast. She humbled herself through a fast. So she fasted for three days and nights. She asked all the Jews in the area to fast because they knew that this would take supernatural strength. You know, Jesus said it, I think in Matthew, but that there are certain things, there are certain situations that can only be overcome through prayer and fasting. So this for her was like, this is the only way. If we go to God and we fast. But then she says something else. She says at the end, And if I perish, I perish. So it's not like she was trying to manipulate God by saying, I'm going to pray, God, so if I pray, you better answer my prayer. I'm going to fast, so I expect you to pray to, to answer my prayer. There's no manipulating God. It's only by God's favor. So even then, she had great faith. She goes, even though I fasted, I'm going to step out in faith. And if I perish, I perish because God's will will still be done. God's will will still be done. What fasting did for Esther was that she relied on God's strength and not her own human strength. So it's important that you position yourself in a, a, a position of humility before God. That God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know how this is gonna come about, God, but I submit myself to you and use me as you see fit. And God was able to bless Esther and use Esther to, to save her people. She was not going to, she probably didn't grow up thinking, you know, oh, wow, God's going to use me to save the, my people. I don't think she grew up knowing that. But she was right smack where she needed to be. And when it, it was pointed out to her that, hey, your position for this, you have to do this for your people. When she was when she had the courage to, to see and to visualize that, hey, God purposed me here and I could do something great through him, through him, and she did that. So God was working behind the scenes. So remember, there is mission in your position. It's not a mistake where you are right now, that you were born in this era, that you're living right now in a post-COVID world in 2023 It's not by accident where you are. It's not by accident the family of origin that you were born in. It's not by accident the people that come in contact with you. There is a purpose there. And you're going to have to ask yourself, God, what is it that you called me to do here? And then the second part that we learn from this story is that God's will still prevails. 
God still has a plan. And it's not going to be um, thwarted. It's not going to be stopped just because some people are disobedient and some people are afraid. See, Mordecai was basically telling Esther, if you don't step up, God will still accomplish his purpose some other way. Mordecai's trust was in the faithfulness of God, not in the faithfulness of Esther. And so many times, people lose faith because they're putting all their faith on a person who is just as broken as they are. And it's not, God's faithfulness is not dependent on us. God still is faithful. His will is still going to happen. So you have to ask yourself, am I going to miss the boat? Am I going to allow myself to be used by God for his great plan? Am I going to partake in it? Or am I just going to watch it pass me by? But Esther was like, Mordecai was saying to her too, like, you know what? If you don't do this, God's will is still going to prevail. But then your family might perish. There is something there that, okay, I don't want, like, I miss the blessing, but perhaps something negative will come about because of disobedience. That's a little harder to swallow, right? He knows that God, Mordecai knew that God would not let his people down, even if individuals left, let God down. God uses the faithfulness of people to accomplish his purpose, but God's purposes will still prevail even when we are disobedient. God has already won, in case you didn't know. Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated the enemy. He defeated death. He's already won. So you can't lose. His plan is already um, in motion And he's inviting you guys to be a part of it. He's inviting you to step out in faith, to bless other people so people can come to know him and have eternal life, so people can have grace and forgiveness. He's using, he wants to invite you to be the vessel to to allow that to happen. And are you going to say, I don't know, God, when he's already won? He's already won. You know, it reminds me of 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. God is still faithful. Job even says in 42.2, he's talking to God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. God's will will still prevail. You can be left back or you can be part of it. You can be part of it. Do you want to like look back on your life and say, God hasn't used me for anything. I don't know, like, what my purpose is. But maybe if you look back, there were times in your life that God called you and you just said, I said no. I retreated back. I was too afraid. I felt like I couldn't do it. So I didn't tap into his power. I didn't tap into his own strength. I relied on my own strength. And I kind of missed that blessing. I missed being a part of it. Esther chose to be bold and courageous and step out regardless. You see, God often uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He used people like Esther. He uses people like you and me. He uses people who are willing and available. And we see this kind of humility and willingness, not just in Esther, but also in another woman on the other side of the Bible, in Mary. 
in the mother of Jesus. When the angel told her that she would give birth miraculously with the savior of the world, she's, like, she's a little uh, young teenage girl, maybe 13 to 15 years old, just engaged to Joseph. And she's listening to the angel say, you're going to be, the Holy Spirit is placing a baby in you. And she's like, how is that going to happen? She had a lot to lose. She had a lot to lose. Her fiance could have just, you know, broke up everything, broke up with her and left her. Her whole community would have shamed her and banished her. All the gossip, all that stuff. She had everything to lose, actually. But instead, this is what her response was in Luke 1, 26, 38. This was her response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be as you have said. That's a lot to come from a young teenage girl who had everything to lose. What was the cost of saying yes? Yes, she could have lost her fiancé, the respect of her community. She could have just been banished. But on the other side, saying yes to God allowed her the greatest blessing that's ever given to a woman in the history of the world, to be able to birth the savior of the world because she said yes. You know, I know a little bit of what she was thinking of like, like cost because I too was a young um, pregnant teenage girl before I came to know Christ. And I felt the, the shame and the gossip and the rolling of the eyes and the staring up, up and down and, and people unfriending me, you know? I felt that. But God still used me somehow. It's not a pat on my back, but to use the, that messed up young teenage girl that I was and also my husband, who was the, the messed up young teenage boyfriend <laughs> at the time. We were a hot mess. But you know what? We came to know the Lord right after we got married. And over the years, we've been married almost 24 years at the end of this month. After 24 years of, of following the Lord and, say, and learning how to say yes to God. You know, it's, it's never been perfect, but we learned like, we have to say yes or else we're not going to be blessed. So learning um, every step of the way saying yes to God, yes to God. Who knew? Who would have who called it back then in 1999? Those two screwed up high school kids with a baby are going to one day lead a church in the Hudson Valley. We grew up in the Bronx. If somebody would have told me that, I'm like, you're crazy. I'm talking about crazy. But God's not crazy. God's not crazy. God positions us and gives us that invitation to say, yes, God, we're willing. We're willing to say, to give it up, no matter what the cost to follow you. And you know what? You might feel like, you know what? He can't use me. I'm too screwed up. I've done too much in the past. Look at me and my husband. God can work all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. You guys are called. God is um, preparing you for more. 
He's not called you so that you can work a nine-to-five job, work 40 years, retire, and die. He's called you for more. He created things for you in advance. Are you going to say, nah, I don't want that? Are you going to just say, it's time to rise up. It's time to, to put all my trust in God. Not in myself. You know what? If you put all your trust in yourself, you're never going to move. You're never going to move. You've got to put all your trust in God because he has a plan for your life. Remember, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers, it's not an accident that they have come and crossed paths with you. It's not an accident the time that you live in right now. What is God calling you to do? Are you going to say, like Mary, God, I'm your servant, may it be. When God is calling you to forgive somebody that you really don't want to forgive, God, may it be as you've said. What's the blessing that's going to come on the other side of that? When God is calling you to maybe serve in a certain area that is going to make you feel uncomfortable because it's you know, it's going to take you out of your comfort zone because you're an introvert and you don't want to public speak, all that stuff. Are you going to say, may it be as you have said and see what comes on the other side of that blessing? Listen, I'm one of the biggest introverts you'll ever meet. And I hate public speaking, but look what God can do. <laughs> you can ask my family. I've been like freaking out all week. But you know what? By the power of God, I'm here. I'm standing and I'm able to share the message he's put on my heart. I'm... God has, God has something for you, and, and don't miss it. When you're too caught up, when you don't have all the answers, and you are too caught up saying, God, I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know where, I don't know how. I don't, I don't, I don't know. All those things, when you're caught up with that, maybe you need to just focus on the who. God, I know who is going to get me through this. I know who's going to get me, give me the strength to walk forward, to take that step, to do the difficult things, to have the hard conversations, to share Jesus with the people who are looking for hope. I know the who, and that who is the one who created you. That who is the one who's called you. That who is the one who, cre- who created you and created things for you to do in advance. That who is the one that's going to sustain you in the difficulty. That who is the one who sees you, who has a plan for you, who loves you, and who promises to be faithful, who promises to never leave you or forsake you. When you are afraid, remember this. Remember who God is. Remember the greatness of God. Because when we lose sight of how great God is, we often feel alone. We feel discouraged. But when we remember the greatness of God, and who he is in our lives, we can be filled with his power. He says in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, God's ability, God's strength and glory, who he is, makes him able to do that makes him able to help us. But it is his great love for you 
that makes him say, I will help you. Let's read that again. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you because he loves you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's his great love for you that he extends that I will. Causes him to say I will. And who knows but that you have come to your position for such a time as this. What is it that you've been running away from that God's calling you to? What is it that you are resisting? What is God asking you to give up so that you can be obedient to his will so that he can bless you? Remember, fix your perspective. It's not what you could lose. Think about how much you could gain by being used by God, being blessed by God. There's no way I would have seen the blessing without stepping forward in faith. There's no way I would have seen that. When my husband said, oh, you know, when he was going to be the lead pastor, I was really happy for him. I was like, wow, he's going to be the lead pastor. I know God's got this calling on you, honey. I believe it. And everybody confirmed it. And one day I'm driving down the road and I said, oh, wait, because if he's the lead pastor, that means something for me. That means, that means I got to be the pastor's wife. I was like, I can't be the pastor's wife. No way. That means I got to talk. I got to pray out loud. I got to <laughs> I gave myself all these things. And I was just full of fear. I literally froze. I had to like pull over and I was like crying like a baby. And I said, God, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. He met me right there in that car, in that parking lot. And you ever hear the verse, a peace that surpasses understanding? Sometimes you don't understand the verse until you feel it. And at that moment, there was no understanding what I was called to do, but there was a peace there. I felt that peace. And it's been four years now, and every day it's just, yes, God, may it be as you've said. Whatever it is you're calling us to do, for your people, for people to know you, for people to be saved, for people to be encouraged in their faith, may it be as you have said. May it be as you have said. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be used as a vessel for your purposes. What, it is, what is it, Lord, that you're calling us to do? Help, help us, Lord. Help each and every person here step out in faith regardless of the cost, regardless of what they think it can cost them. Give them that faith, Lord God, to just trust you, to rely on you, to cling to you, and that no matter what, they're going to walk towards you. And they're just going to say, yes, they're going to be willing to be vessels, to be the instruments that you're going to use to bless this world. Encourage them, Lord. Surround them with, with a loving church family, Lord God, that will encourage them to walk and not retreat. Father God, 
I just pray you bless each and every single person here, that you've spoken these things to their hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you would keep pursuing them and that they would keep, and they, that they wouldn't feel rest until they say, yes, yes, God, I will. May it be, God, may it be as you have said. May you bless them, Lord God. May you bless them mightily in Jesus' name. We ask all this, amen. I really hope that you enjoyed that content. My name is Pastor Armando. I want you to do two things. I want you to subscribe to our channel. Make sure you guys go ahead and do that and enjoy more relevant content on the stuff of life that we talk about here at Fusion Church. Second thing is check out our website, www.fusionchurchny.com. Continue to dive into our content and our online community and let's grow together. hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church, so please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.